Gonna have a real good time together. We're gonna have a real good time together. We're gonna laugh the child together. Have a real good time together. I believe you with Mr. Wilson. Wow. I'm really going for it. Uh, I'm Evan. I'm Ian. <laughs> uh, and this is Jokerman Podcast. Classic. Classic edition. Back because to the basics. Just you and me and John Cale. And John Cale and Mr. Wilson. And Mr. Wilson. That's right. It's John Week on Jokerman Podcast. I'm excited Finally. about this. Finally. Yeah. We were, I was looking at the schedule. We haven't done any John stuff in like like six weeks at this point. We oh did my God. Fear was the last one we did. That was July 21st. And here we are in September. And we're just getting now to the next record that came out like six months after that. Time has been going by so fast. We've had a lot of ground to cover. It's been all Lou and VU and Purple Mountains uh, since then. And who could forget Larry Ratso Sloman? Yeah. Friend of the nobody. pod. Uh, nobody can forget him. He's unforgettable. Um, well... Last record, last time we caught up with John Cale, it was a great record. It was Fear. That's right. One of my favorite albums of all time. A perfect kind of record. The, the, the one that gets, the one that started it all, like um, like Snow White, like Walt Disney's Snow White, mm, but for John Cale and um, his particular brand of uh, ghoulish uh, to beautiful uh, rock musings. Sure. Something like that. Uh and today we are picking up where we left off with Fear and where John left off with 1975's release on Island Records, the second in a triptych of Island Records releases from 1974, 1975, Slow Dazzle. Slow Dazzle, yeah. What a title. It's a sick title. I love that title, especially because he doesn't say Slow Dazzle anywhere on, on anywhere. record. No, no, no. But I'm, interestingly, I don't know if you, I sent you that little clip of the, the book earlier today. I don't know if you noticed, he made a mention of the title track Slow Dazzle in that What? Book. Yeah. And I went like, I went looking all over the internet to see if there was any sort of sign of that what? anywhere. And I couldn't find that. Any, it, it's on the top of that second screenshot. It says, this is from John's book, Slow Dazzle featured a disparate but talented cast of players in Eno, Jeff Muldaur, Pat Donaldson, Jerry Conway, Timmy Donald, and Chris Spedding. There's a remake of Heartbreak Hotel, the title tune mm-hmm. Slow Dazzle, a piece called Guts, which had been promised as, a, as the successor to Gun, and a finale called The Jeweler, which was the logical successor to The Gift. What the fuck is he talking about, the title tune Slow Dazzle? <laughs> you know, the song Slow Dazzle. Like, the, like this Planet is our Waves. bit. This is literally our <laughs> <Yeah>. bit. 
Bob Dylan's uh, song Planet Waves. Uh, who could or, forget? No, planet. It went on a planet of waves. Who could forget his classic 2009 song Together Through Life? From yeah. the record Together well, Through Life. It's touching. It's you know, it's a touching ballad. <laughs> it's it sounds like uh, you know, it was written for Tarzan, the Disney's Tarzan initially, mm-hmm. but they ended up going with Phil Collins. Right. But initially Bob Dylan wrote a song called Together Through Life. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, you know, which he used later. I'm going to stop doing this bit. But what is what would the song Slow Dazzle sound like? I have no idea. I, I imagine it being kind of like spooky and like kind of staccato. I don't imagine it that way at all because it reminds me of a disco ball. Like it's sort of like a because you're dazzled by the turning of the the disco ball, turning spark like a slowly sparkling thing. Right. It's cool. It's a great image. Well, Uh, he's a real poet, John. If you're listening, uh, we would love to hear the song "Slow Dazzle," which apparently exists according to you in your own book. Uh, Hit us up, JokermanPod at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, Instead. We hear how many other song? How many songs are on here? Uh, Ten songs. Uh, Ten song record. Depending on what you consider the jeweler to be. Uh, you know, it's a song. Uh, it's a piece. Yeah, it's music. There, there are ten tracks of recorded sound on this record. It's music. That is undeniable. It's certainly, boy, we're getting even simpler here. It's not good music anymore. It's just, it's music. You need someone like you can hear it to tell you that. You know, you need we have to be the ones to bring that up it's something that you can that your ears can process it's not sight it's not an image and it's not a taste it's music is podcasts music oh wow good point music to my ears you know what's music to my ears Hmm. actual music you know this song this first song Mr. It's about Wilson. it's about music. It's about music. It's about one of the great musicians, Mr. It's one Wilson. Of the great musicians talking about one of the great musicians. I believe you, Mr. Wilson. I believe you anyway. And I'm always thinking of you when I hear your music play. And also ostensibly about a prime minister. British like some... prime ministers. That's what he says. I mean, yeah, I, he's I... covering his ass on that because apparently Brian hated this song. Yeah. He... Um... <laughs> I remember we were talking about this when we talked about fear. Like, did did John listen to Brian? Obviously he did. But did he Brian did, listen yeah. to John? Yeah, and he Clearly the this. answer is yes, because <laughs> according to John in, uh, in What's Welsh for Zen, Brian thought that this song was sarcastic. But you know what? Uh... I don't blame him because someone like Brian Wilson, he probably doesn't have a, you know, too much of a, a relationship with like the avant-garde with the, the edgier side of rock music. Like, he like John Cale and the Velvet Underground. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have this kind of like taste for that himself. And uh, I'm going to use this uh, moment to point out that it's because of people like Frank Zappa that he probably was like, oh, they're making fun of me. He's make, this is Frank a joke Zappa. song. <laughs> Only just a little bit. Because, like, I just think Does that's Zappa true. Does Zappa have a song about uh, about? No, Brian? it's just he has a lot of songs that are, like, that kind of just snarky, sarcastic, mean-spirited humor. Hmm. And I, I do feel like it makes sense. Like, someone like Brian Wilson hearing this song might be kind of like, oh, he's making fun of me. Right. You know, it, because, like, you start doing stuff like that in, in rock music... Um, you know, right around this time, that was kind of taking a pretty 
popular like um or you know zappa and that that style was kind of like in the air i guess that's probably why he had such a you know it's it's so sad to imagine brian wilson hearing this and thinking it was uh, so mean spirited, slight him. Somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Brian... the song itself is really, you know, it, it, he John puts his whole his whole self into this song. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say his whole pussy. Um, uh, his whole colossi. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> it's even way worse. Um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, this song rocks. I mean, it's it like he's he's rocking right off the bat, just like Fear rocked right off the bat, just like yeah. Paris rocked right off the bat, and and still he's like in a totally different mode. I think uh, right away here, um, you know, it's uh, all of these records I think have such like a distinct, like instantly recognizable kind of feeling that you get just within the first couple seconds of the first song on the first side, and this one is a totally new. A totally new one. It's a little sleeker. It's a little sexier than mm-hmm. we were than we saw before. According to him, you know, again in uh, Welsh for Zen, this record was where he wanted to start writing like singles, basically. Yeah. I, and I think yeah. here is where like he, you know, so far in the in the John and Lou kind of romance that we've talked about, it's been a lot of Lou looking at John and kind of following his lead. I think this is John trying to trying to pull a little Lou into his life here because he mentions like. He always um, I thought it was so admirable that Lou could basically just sit down at a desk, write a song anytime, any day, you know, and just bang it out like it's a piece of work, like the spreadsheet for, you know, your job. Mm-hmm. Um, and John and things weren't like that for John. But this record, I think, is is him moving in that direction as far as he can, where it's just like it's just a bunch of fucking awesome songs. That, yeah, like, that is probably <laughs> that is the best way to describe it. It's a bunch of awesome songs. Yeah. And they're. They're awesome is the right word, you know, because, you know, you could think of it as like genuinely like awesome, like awe inspiring. And there's moments of that, but it, there's also, it's more like he's just shooting for them being awesome, like yeah. rad. Just throw th- like this is, you know what this is? This is a put it on record. Like I think of, sure all, is. of all of the John records we've talked about so far. Like this is the put it on record of all of them up until 1975, at least. I, I have to agree with you there. Um, and if you, just if you don't really know, on. well, yeah, I mean, I was about to explain what that means because <laughs> it's something that we've developed <laughs> on this show. Yeah, sort yeah, of it's, like it's a, a very con- detailed it's a concept that we've developed, and um, yeah, get, what get it the means listeners is, the thesis. What it means is there are records. All right, well, you have to understand that there's certain records this doesn't apply to. To really get the full uh, breadth of what we're saying, such as there's records you can't just put on. For example, in John Cale's case, there's a record called "Music for a New Society." Mm. This is a record you can and you must not put on. Yeah. In in mixed company, you can't just put that on. Yeah, the mixed company element is key to the put it on kind of vector. Is like like you because we can put any music on when it's just us listening to music, you know, in our living room alone. But yeah. like if you're outdoors, you're at the barbecue. You dial up Spotify on the phone. You got your Bluetooth speaker. Are you going to put music for a new society on or are you going to put Slow Dazzle on? Well, uh, you would have to be antisocial to put on music for a new society, (laughs) as great as it is. But also there's the aspect of, you know, a put it on record is is kind of a record that not only can you just put on, but you you don't get tired of doing that. And you can just kind of put it on. 
You just put it on again. <laughs> again, you know? yeah. If you get to you the end, even, you put it back on. <laughs> you could put it ba- back on. Put it back on. There, there is an aspect of the put it on uh, record ethos where the the record almost can't be too uh, meaningful to you, right? At first, it it accrues a meaning as like an object that you interact with over a long period of time, right? It's not just. That, you know, a novel or a book where, or, a, or a film where you have a, an intense experience with it and you sometimes revisit it, or in the case of something like Music for a New Society, you maybe just, some people might just, you know, or Lulu, for example. That not a put it on. You get one not. time and then you maybe never listen to it again. Um, but, you know, th- there's a there's a relationship that develops even with, challenging records where you know in your private moments you'll be putting it on but this one i feel like you could just kind of give anybody as a a primer for which john kale record should i listen to and suggest slow dazzle if you're going to start with one you know i think it, it's probably the Not one to start with to start even yeah. more than more so than gun i mean even more so than fear which than fear has, yeah, definitely, because Fear is, you know, I, I, well, I mean, I, I don't need to say Fear is like a better record necessarily. We can get into that more as we well, go on, we but it's a more it's a more dramatic kind of record, and this is definitely just like, you know, he's he's uh, this is um that's John Cale's starter pack in in many ways, I would say. Yeah, you um, kind of get a taste of a lot of what he can do in various uh, iterations and various and, modes, and, and it's levels a mi- of intensity, and it's a mild taste that's the key is like you, you, there is no fucking gun on here but you do have guts which is oh, like I mean, have- similar to it but it's it's a milder kind of it's it's a marlboro light compared to the marlboro reds you've got heartbreak hotel but you do. Um, and you've got guts you know, there are things that dance around that uh mr wilson it ha- this song kind of sounds like nothing else like what what other song sounds like this yeah. it has the it starts with this kind of like night uh like a sort of like nocturnal like sort of sleazy sounding instrumental yeah, it's a little funky with but yeah then... almost almost a little disco-y there's like little string hits in the back yeah and this kind of staccato uh electric piano yeah the organ but then it bursts into this really triumphant and personal thing where he says Yeah, that chorus I think is clearly his like his appreciation for like he th- that's him aping Brian as much as he does in this song in that particular kind of verse. What the song kind of has you imagine is is John Cale like sitting on his bed uh, or lying down, just kind of listening to like pet sounds and and having like a, a reverie and thinking about you know how how much he loves Brian. music. 
and Brian. Brian's music. I, I, it's, it's so cool. Like, I mean, it's, it's very easy for the two of us dorks this many years later to be like, oh, like we were fucking talking to Steve. Like, oh, did, did Lou and Bob ever ride their motorcycles together? Wouldn't that be mm-hmm. cool? Ha ha ha. But like, here we are in 1975 and literally John was writing songs about Brian and it was the first song on his, you know, his record. It's like, it's, it's, it's very satisfying and rewarding to me to know that like, these guys had just as much appreciation for one another, at least John did for Brian, maybe not the other way around, um, mm-hmm. when they are two of, you know, mine and our very yeah. favorite artists as well. You know, it's, uh, we're all part of a little club. It's, it's so great. It's so cool. I love we, it. We all are part of the same club. We're all, we're all just as talented as, as the other. Well, I wouldn't say that. We are just like them. Yeah. We are, this is the, this is the, the smile of podcasts. Um, yeah, no, this is, uh, this is the podcast where we talk about why the good stuff is better than us. Why the best stuff is the best. I think we've got sort of like a wild honey vibe as far as Beach Boys records go. Something kind of like... You and I were, yeah, Beach Boys album. Maybe like, um, Beach Boys Love You. Yeah, we were just talking about, I just listened to Love You after you were posting it uh, the other day. Oh, yeah. Went through it all again. It's a fucking record, is amazing. (laughs) It's like, Love is a woman. Oh, my God. So treat her tenderly tonight. (laughs) I forgot about Airplane on that record. It's it's just like banger after banger. And uh, roller skating child. Oh, roller skating child. Mona. Mona is like one of the greatest. One of the great songs. Mona, come, 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 come to me. Give me, give me, give me some love. Tell me, tell me, tell me you want it. Listen, 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 my Mona. Cut. Man, I bet he, I'll bet he's nice. No. I just want to talk about that. But, you know, that's what uh, John Cale is thinking about, too. I mean, uh, that record came out... Um, 77, so... But, yes, the, uh, the the personalities behind such great songs as Roller Skate and Child. You know, I really love the way that Mr. Wilson ends with that... California wine tastes fine. It's like, it's so interesting. It's like, you don't think of Brian Wilson as like a wine drinker. You don't even, I feel like he's kind of uh, making a poetic um, uh, connection there of just the idea. There's this idea of of California wine, especially at the beginning of of its emergence, like that it was kind of not as, you know, not taken seriously um, by the, the, uh, those in the know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because that they the seventies, the, the classicists, before, you know, yeah. that they're like, this is this is ridiculous. You're making wine in California, and I think he is maybe doing something here where he's saying like the version of like classical music, rock music, that the com- combination of it, uh, that the way that classical music ideas are is expressed by something like the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson, you know, coming from California. 
are just as good as you know there's something special about that that's worth just as much as the more proper version of it yeah i totally totally see that i california uh, wine tastes fine like, tastes fine is, it's good it's good wine you could yeah, say well, he's, you could say he's saying it's good <laughs> it's music good i think that's what he's saying like yeah i think he's you know he's he's uh, uh holding brian up right right there with all of the other classical yeah. composers that uh that he might have studied in his you know classical education uh brings to mind brian's description of his own music teenage symphonies to god which is hey, such perfect. an amazing oh, way to man. describe that's what brian described smile as that is exactly right that's what of it was course. um california wine tastes fine yeah just a great way to start the record um it's and good vibes. oh it's, have a good time it's good vibes but it's also it's the the song has like a weight to it that feels um you know, it feels kind of grand and important and also not without a little bit of menace. It has a, uh, there's a lot of depth, a lot of character to this California wine. That's right. Uh, and then we keep, uh, we keep, when I say stuff. shit like that, I feel like such a fucking idiot. Oh, you that's, know? Per- that's what it, that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> that's what the it people is, come here for. <laughs> it's good. It's good podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good criticism. Um, <laughs> Uh, then we keep the good stuff. Uh, we get the good stuff keeps coming our way, taking it all away. Taking it all away. And taking it all away. Beautiful song. Beautiful this one has song. become like my the sleeper hit for me of this. Yeah, record. I'm with you on that. There's oh, this one, so and then there's good. there's kind of a corresponding version of this on the second side, I think. But we'll get there. Oh. But yeah, this one is amazing. It's such a simple lyric, but. It's not about the lyrics exactly. It's, I mean, it's a, it's like a breakup song, I guess. But it's, yeah. Well, I, I guess it is important to contextualize. Like in this, in this moment in time, seventy five, um, John, uh, his marriage was falling apart, um, which will, mm. will, is, is spelled out explicitly on a certain song on this record, uh, in, the, in the very first line. Um, and so I think a lot of these songs are, you know, when when he is writing, you know, these kind of vaguer songs that aren't as clearly explicated like Mr. Wilson or fucking Ski Patrol. Um, I think... Well, you, I think uh, Ski Patrol is very straightforward. That's what I'm saying. It, oh, we understand yeah. that it's about a Ski Patrol, <laughs> but a song like patrol, this yeah. is... I think I think he's writing about himself here, and, and he's a little kind of embarrassed or mawkish about doing it. And so there there's this kind of, oh, you sentimental fool, love those broken veins. They made you so afraid of that wishful wishing well. He's being oh, a little... He's being Broken a little, veins. yeah. He, this know. is a. I th- I have the thought that it's maybe about drugs. Um, well, I, I, his his wife, his marriage was falling apart to his wife because she was a drug addict. So I think it's all tied up together. This is like um, a junkie girl. Uh something. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, from eleven tracks of whack. Right. Walter Becker. <laughs> Uh, this song just really is all about how it sounds, though. Like the the music of it, just that first. And the and the backing vocals, it's just like you know, it's beautiful. The vocals, the music. Uh, oh boy, the, oh baby, the, the lyrics. The you lyric, put them all well, together. You put those. You put those lyrics with that music. You got a stew going. You got a. That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's uh, a no, dang it's, it's a <laughs> it's a sauce piquant. This is a really good uh, song. I love it. 
and it's 259. Uh, you know, it's it's important it's to know. Mr. Wilson, yeah, 318, taking it all the way, 259. Like, we are getting in and we are getting out, which I think is an important element of a put it on record, is it doesn't overstay its welcome. And, you know, these songs are certainly taking it all the way. Like, when that song ends, I want to put it right back on again. I, d- I have been It's doing a put it on that. song. It's not a put yeah, it on record. It's, it's a put it on song. I want to take it all back. I want to bring it back. <laughs> That's right. It's just really catchy. And both of these... Mr. Wilson and Taking It All Away, they're catchy songs in a way that feels pretty novel. Like, I don't really think of any other... There's n- they have a very sort of special feel. Right. Yeah, I mean, I kind of... What, what I love so much about those two songs, and really this record in, in general, is is how unremarkable a lot of it sounds, coming on the he- especially coming on the heels of something like Paris and Fear, which are, you know, Paris is, you know, this, you know, pockets, talk about Teenage Symphonies to God. Uh, and then fear is this just like murderous, bloody black and white teenage symphonies record. to the to the fucking abyss. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is just like he's just playing rock music in in 1975. Um, and like you think about the other records that came out this year, you got Metal Machine music, you've got like Low from Bowie, you've got Blood, obviously from Bob. These like huge, enormous kind of like Titanic albums. And this is so just like like chill. It's just yeah. It's just straight. Well, it's what it is. It's is it straight up? Just what we said. It's it's just songs, and they're not trying to make even too much space for themselves. They do work. You know, they're songs to fill up a record, and sometimes that's that's actually just really exciting from a, an artist who you don't necessarily feel is is. You know, it shows a level of confidence, really. Yeah, and John is such a, you know, obviously a a brilliant musician and and a brilliant lyricist and and a really serious, legitimate, like, artist with a capital A type of personality. And so it's it's kind of refreshing to get him, like, I feel like he's just kind of, like, kicking back and hanging out for the most part on this record. And he was having a good time with his band. This is when he started touring again for the first time since The Velvets, basically. Um, and so I think he was just learning to and adopting the fucking hockey mask and the goggles with the oh, yeah. with the scarf around his face, looking like uh, what'd you say, like a, a terrorist from the yeah, Munich Olympics, kind of, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> some uh, kind of a European terrorist, looking yeah. like he's about ready to take the Israeli track and field team hostage. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, rock and roll, and um, the I guess you know the. Well, if we want to dwell on that for a second, the the hockey mask thing, like the he's doing these kinds of like almost get ups, you know, he's well, he's full on get ups. And uh, I think I feel like that kind of has something to do with how he maybe conceives of this of, of rock music and doing more of a commercial thing as like he wear. Why is he wearing like armor doing it? Like, you know, who else does that is was Kanye, you know, it, the mask and all these like these masks that he would wear like yeah all over like obscuring his face like they're doing it for different reasons i I don't know what the reasons are exactly but like you know while performing to wear a mask like that um, i mean john spells it out in the book he says just very explicitly i was shy take yeah exactly that's what he says yeah like i hadn't toured in a long time i was shy i was worried about getting up on stage and doing this in front of people so i had to do some sort of fucking screen between me and the audience and it just became this really baroque freaky thing that became this like signature element of his live performance we can all we can all relate to that though you know i i I know all of us live performers well when i was a kid i just like you know if i ever felt like nervous you know i just like uh i was scared 
self-conscious and uh and um, shy i when i was you know like nine ten years old i just i used to think to myself wouldn't it be great if i could just be spawn or um you know i could look like spawn cool <laughs> you know wouldn't it, wouldn't that be nice i would have n- nobody could ever say um wouldn't you know, it be nice if, if I, I was spawn <laughs> Wouldn't it? Oh, it's sure. You would feel so safe. You would be very powerful. Well, you would just look cool. And I think that, you know, wearing... I just love the idea of him wearing, like... You would also terrify everyone. Like, he's wearing the hockey mask and, and like, a jumpsuit or whatever it is. Um, looks like he's literally about to kill you. Yeah, I mean, he looks like Michael Myers. Like, I think he looks like a... Yeah, like, or, or Jason uh, from yeah, Friday the 13th. Or is it Jason? Yeah. No, Michael yeah, Myers is the one with the, the mask. He's That's got right. the jumpsuit, but... There, yeah, yeah, it's com- a, yeah, it's kind of a, a combo uh, of all those. Bef- and uh, it's sort of... Um, it's just great to imagine that he's like, I'm shy. I'm shy. He's just a, he's he's like, just like a, I'm shy. He's a small bean from Wales. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he's dressed up like a serial murderer, the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. Um, dirty ass rock and roll. A signature John song. I, I think it is. Uh, Definitely. I think there's a couple of those on this. But yes. this one, I think, it, more than anything, captures a certain kind of quintessential John Cale humor. The The way it sounds is so funny. Like, the song does, is laugh out loud It does not sound funny. like dirty-ass rock and roll. No, at least not at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> the fucking piano, like, show tune it sounds piano like, intro. It sounds like uh, Randy Newman. Yeah, song. exactly. It sounds like Mama told me not to come or something, you know. Um, it just <laughs> makes you feel just like an undercover. Sigmund Freud. That's what that's what everyone's always saying about dirty ass rock and roll is that it makes you feel like an undercover Sigmund <laughs> Freud. A very understandable reference. I love that line. That line actually made me laugh like it's out so loud good. the other day. So it's just like, def- it's just, <laughs> you know that feeling when you feel just like an undercover Sigmund Freud. It's a feeling we're all very familiar with. <laughs> it's something that about the that he's the way this song just stacks up. That he says a line like he screams a line like that with the music sounding like this and then he also does that thing where it's like uh, bibbity bop bibbity bop bibbity bop or whatever That's right. saying. Yeah. Talking about a pacemaker. You can make a pacemaker blink. Yeah, easy thing. Make a man's heart go bibbity bop bibbity bop He's so he's so goofy, he's so and silly. D- yeah, he's just having a good time. Secretaries in their typewriters chattering away. And it's just called dirty ass rock and roll. It's, <laughs> it's like so what, ridiculous. I don't really know what he's talking about, except that I know he's talking about liking. You know, we all we all know what he's talking about. He says, "I love rock songs." I love That's rock what songs. We say. Exactly. 
That's what we say here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of these lyrics are basically just placeholder lyrics. Like, it ought to make you sick when you hear a woman cry, when she don't get just whatever she wants, but not want my woman. She just keeps on keeping on. That's my woman, my woman, that moving on, shuffle side to side. That sure can turn me on. It's just like gobbledygook, basically. But I think that's kind of the point, is like putting those lyrics together with a song that just frankly rocks musically. Like, that's all you need from a rock and roll record sometime. Well, I think it's also he's sort of skewering like a certain kind of stupidity that exists in, in rock music. A lot of going on musically, though, that's like really not lazy or, or placeholder-y at all. You know, like there's a lot of these. Yeah, musically, it's a really exciting so and propulsive song. Yeah, and there's these like overdubs and the crazy horns and backup vocals and... Um, it's a hoot. It's a fucking hoot. Yeah, it's so much fun. And, uh, you know, a song that I think in one wor- in some world, in some dimension, could have been a huge hit single. Uh, you know, you can just imagine, you know, kids all over the nation rocking out, dirty-ass rock and roll, you know, feeling feeling great, shouting that along. Obviously, it didn't work out that way in ours. Um, but uh, I think over time has turned into one of, like, the signature kind of John songs that he plays even with him up until i guess he, i mean he's not playing now but like i think he wants to play this year so i wouldn't be surprised if dirty ass rock and roll made an appearance on stage in 2022 does it's he like, still uh, play it i don't know that well it's on that uh it's on that circus live record from like 2007 or something like right. that. it's a great version um okay but like this and paris and um and fear you know i think these are all like some of the, the most important songs in, in his discography certainly maybe not uh as influential as some of Lou's you know walk on the wild side type songs but this is uh this is him just trying to have a good time and get the kicks out and he's doing a great job of it <laughs> Speaking of sounding like Randy Newman, I feel like this next one is really similar too. Oh, darling, I need you. Um, it's a really piano kind of driven record, and you're, that's a like good point. I hadn't, like, I hadn't thought about that until you're bringing that up. But yeah, a lot of these songs are just riding on the piano riff. This song, he's he refers to every time I've heard him play live on recording. He he a lot of times he says this is about like religious awakening in the American South. Is that, what, is that what he says? Yeah, that's what he says. He says it's about like Christianity. I, I guess there is that line, Church of Jesus Christ, Kentucky. Yeah. Rattlesnakes and strychnine and prayer. Yeah. Oh. But I don't really... Is this the person talking to Jesus? <laughs> Who knows? He's having, he's having a good time. When I needed you to see me through. I mean, this one seems like... Yeah, straight out of the book, you know, he has he writes a lot about 
how like he would just like come home or, or from tour or wake up one morning and his wife would just literally not be around. And then he would hear from his friends later that she was fucking, you know, this guy down the street or something or you know, someone else. And, like that's to me what this song sounds like. Literally he's asking, where were you when I needed you? I, like, mm. I, I just wanted to see you. I came home and you were out on the town having, having a good time without me. Uh, no, no, it's about religious conversion. Or, right, in, I understand that now. American in West. the American South, or South, yeah. Beautiful song. Yeah, I like uh, just singing along, like in harmony to, like, to this, to all these songs. It's fun to like just kind of try to harmonize with them in your car. Yeah, I've been listening to this record a lot in my car. I was just doing that earlier today. It's a great car record. Windows down, singing along, yeah. bopping on the steering wheel. It doesn't ask too much of you. Like that's, I've this is a nice corrective, I think, to a lot of the records we've talked about recently, which uh, you know are very intense kinds of uh, experiences and uh, are are fantastic albums, obviously. But like it, they they kind of take a lot out of you to listen to them and talk to them, or talk about them. And this is just like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm listening to the record in the background while I'm talking to you. I'm just having a good time listening to it in my headphones. Where were you? It's 105 degrees. Down, I don't isn't want it? you yeah. to use a lot of video from this because I am just flop sweating. <laughs> you're like leaned back. Your headphones are about to pop out of your ears because you're so far away from your computer. You're just you feel like you look like you can I'm barely liter- move. I'm literally damp. <laughs> so let let me don't post a lot of video. Just I'll, let me not think about video. Don't think about it. This episode of Jokerman Podcast is presented by DistroKid. Over a million artists rely on DistroKid to distribute their music and get it into all of the places it needs to go. Your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, your YouTube's, your TikTok's, your Tidal's, your Instagram's, and any other streaming service of note. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy. With unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100%, that's right, 100, all of them, folks, of their royalties and earnings. DistroKid comes with tons of great features, including Mixia, which allows DistroKid users to put the finishing touches on their tracks in just minutes, getting a customizable and polished end result that anyone can feel confident in before sharing it with the world. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. So go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. I'm mean, going to just not because it, it makes this harder. I have to put all my energy on uh, roll a roll. <laughs> You're slaving away over a hot MacBook. I am a hot uh, microphone. Yeah, talking about a song. Uh, it goes uh, roll a roll <laughs> Oh, 
kind of like our catalog, you know, that like our podcasts are like our musical catalog, you know, it's our, our, um, do you know what I'm referring to? Uh, I don't know that I do. Our favorite music critic, uh, Um, (laughs) somebody posted something where he said, um, my nobody has like my catalog, my body of work, or whatever. It's like your catalog, Jesus. But that's what we have too. So um, you know, <laughs> we're working on ours right now. Our, yeah, just volume, sheer volume, sheer number of minutes plugged, fucking put onto a hard drive. Nobody's listened to roll a roll while right. sweating this much. No one can take that from me. <laughs> What the fuck? I have song? no idea. You know, like, because, like, you, you too is what I want to ask you about this song. You, do you know, do you also feel like the way I feel about it? What, what is just the way like, that you kind feel of about just it? like a little bit baffled or like just like, um, like I feel like this is like watered down love or yes, something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not trying to think too hard about this, you this can't. song. You uh, can't. Sir, I mean, look at this fucking record so far. We've had dirty ass rock and roll, darling, 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 I need you. Now we're going rolla rolla roll. He's like Rolla roll. He's just saying the same words over and over again. And I have a great time listening to it. I have a grin on my face, my eyes are blank. And completely vacant, glazed yeah. over. <laughs> I've got the uh, I've got the the fluoride stare. Exactly. This is the this is the lobotomy record. This is what they play yeah, for yeah. you as they're as they stick an ice pick up your nose and they pull out the little fucking part of your brain that makes you feel little. <laughs> they got to pull out the big part, or else or else it's not a good lobotomy. Uh-huh. They got to give out. You got to get your money's worth. They got to take out. You know, a third. That's fair. Uh, roll a roll is roll a song a roll. That, yeah, I think about it and then it, it disappears. But if I don't think about it, it emerges and uh. I see it. Heartbreak Hotel is next, right? It is next, but we're flipping the sides of the record. It does make sense. The cover. We'll talk about the cover. What is going on with this cover? Oh, well, he looks cool. He looks know. cool. It looks awesome. I don't know what he's like up to here. Like, is Absolutely. he in all black, like patent leather? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Like a leather jacket, and then he's got the sunglasses. And the I don't know what you're confused lights. about because there's not a lot here. It- Except that he's wearing patent leather and has right. sunglasses. It's I don't know. It's just there's some there's all there's always been something sort of mysterious and vaguely unsettling about well, the way this record looks and the tight like the where's his John Cale and Slow Dazzle in that kind of like military looking yeah, exactly like, like well, stenciled on with spray paint kind it's of font the stenciled look which like uh, I mean I don't want to toot my own horn here too much but um you know I just feel like th- there's a certain aesthetic sensibility that. The band that I was in, it was <laughs> okay. tapped into that you were I, you had roll a roll mindset. Yeah, I, I don't know. We 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 were do, we were dressing like that. Like we were also had like weird sunglasses, like and would just buy clothes that looked kind of it, everything was dark, and we had like stupid songs. But then there would be like a I don't know. There it was um the kind of thing where we'd wear like a 
like like captain's hat on the on, on stage sometimes or like, like a ship cat like like that sounds like 2008 like uh williamsburg uh, uh hipstamatic kind of filter yeah but shit. then someone else is wearing like a, a like a slurpy hat from the gas station okay. uh, i don't know it's just the lobotomy lobotomized <laughs> stuff lobotomy so, rock you wouldn't get it you wouldn't understand okay you you have to have a you had to be at a Dub Thompson show in 2013 with uh, a pocket up full of empty Whippet canisters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more like 2015. Okay. I thought the record was 2013. It was. No, but Whatever. you were touring in 2015. Okay. Anyway, band long dead. Uh, and 6.7. Yeah. I wonder what, you know, I feel like Slow Dazzle would have gotten a 6.7, but I'm yeah, sure. a too, far too low 6.7. Actually, it's the best score you can get. Okay. Talk about signature John Cale songs. I think this is one of my, this is the signature John Cale song uh, for me. In some ways, I think it is, it exemplifies everything great about him. But it's Elvis Presley's Heartbreak Hotel. Heartbreak Hotel, indeed. And it's really, the reason I want to dwell on it and why I talk of it so highly, I think, is because... What he's doing on this song exemplifies something that we try to talk about when we talk about John Cale every time, which is that it's the act of him taking rock music seriously as a text and then seeing what happens from that. Like he's Mm -hmm. taking Heartbreak Hotel and then he's just going, well, what if you really meant it? Like, what if what if this wasn't just what if these words had you know, real weight to them. And they do. It, it's just a, a song that really takes the, the form seriously and imbues it with like an intensity and uh, an adventurous spirit. And, and that makes it go places where the song becomes unrecognizable and completely unique to John Cale. But he's still honoring the song totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's taking he's taking it seriously, you know, and uh pulling out all of the misery and murder and and blood and guts, you know, no pun intended, uh implicit in this lyric and this record that sounded so kind of like I mean it's Heartbreak Hotel, it's such a like it, it's such a instantly recognizable song when you hear the Elvis version. Um and this, I mean, musically, like tonally, in terms of melody and stuff, like it doesn't sound anything like that. Like if if you weren't paying attention to the lyrics, you would have no idea that this was Heartbreak Hotel, you know, from Elvis. But um, yeah, I mean, it's do- it really just it, it's so fucking. I remember the first time I heard this, I was kind of like my eyes were like bolted open. The it's so horrifying sounding. Like it, it's really like he's just channeling through the lyrics through since my baby left me he's talking he's just like 
what does it sound like to have just the like blood curdling nightmarish feelings of of heartbreak and not have it be like a sad song but a song about like the the horror of heartbreak yeah and i it's think it's a horror song he's he's using a lot of his own kind of personal experiences at the time um to motivate that i would imagine yeah those backing vocals just like sound like fucking ghosts of hell you know coming out of the pits well when he sings it sings it when he performs it live uh, in the 80s yeah, and this there's these performances where he's like literally crawling under the table not playing anything whispering and then screaming and then whispering again and just stuttering sweating like a hog he's uh he's having a good time in the mid 80s we could say um but the, there's yeah there's anger and and venom and just true like torture in this song it's and it also slaps yeah it's it's the kind of like one of the great examples of cover songs in yeah it's in my it's ever. one of my favorites of all time yeah there's no question about it just like the ability to completely transmute a song especially a song as well known as heartbreak hotel into just this completely otherworldly creation that bears zero resemblance to the initial and yet it is it's made up of the same dna there's literally the same words and stuff it's um it's uh it's amazing uh, and i think a lot of what he's doing on this record is like between this and mr wilson from the first side is sort of illustrating that like this like kind of candy coded pop bullshit that I mean, that was the kind of uh, interpretation of a lot of it, you know, certainly towards the early days of, of rock and roll music. And it was aging out of that by 75. But, you know, I think that was still around to a large degree in the pop in the culture at large is him sort of illustrating that, like, no, there is like a legit, like serious depth and artistry to all of this shit. You know, yeah, this yeah. is Heartbreak Hotel, Brian's fucking, you know, surfer girl from 63, 64, whatever, like. That's yeah. that's just as big, just as important, just as as essential, and uh, well, takes just as much of a genius as Bach and Mozart or whatever. You well, know? Elvis and Heartbreak Hotel, you know, this is an essential like ur text, like it's foundational, utterly foundational to rock rock and roll. And um, I just think I think he really knows that, and that he's making that statement with the song. This is very early for a genuinely artistic reinterpretation of of rock and roll music right like this and that's not that uncommon today but uh at this point it's kind of the first time somebody's looking back like like john is at the earliest stuff yeah yeah lou is you know recontextualizing it lou is writing from a doo-wop kind of uh background but writing his own material john is moving into that background himself and and recontextualizing it with his personal yeah kind exactly. of, uh, uh spin on things so it's sort of like the other side of the coin from what uh from what lou's doing Seconds. yeah lou, lou can make the new doo song if he wants to um they really are two sides of the same yeah both illustrating an appreciation for you know their musical heritage but coming at it you know kind of in opposite directions um, as uh, as we get so often with the two of them doing the same thing, but in their own unique ways. Uh, ski Patrol. <laughs> Here comes the Ski Patrol. It comes the once a year. 
This is a song about ski patrol. It's about a song about a ski patrol. <laughs> I love the way this the fucking first song. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it sounds like a TV theme yeah, song. You just it might like, as well be. The credits are rolling. You're getting like freeze frames of these big goofy blonde fucking oafs from Kansas yeah. grinning at the screen, wearing just like you're just yeah, like the fresh powder spraying into the air. It's, it's there, the Baywatch credits, flow. but yeah. they're it, but, but they're, they're on in ski, ski uniforms. <laughs> yeah, they're in like big neon or like bright red ski outfits, and and they're like uh, you know helping each other up, and it's like a freeze frame, or it's it's very like eighties. And they've got yeah, there's a cat in but the tree, not, and they're trying yeah. to get it out, or they're uh, they're sipping hot chocolate in the lodge, and you know there's kind of the sexy one, and she's like kind of winking at the camera. A little bit of that. Definitely. A little, little bit of that action. It's, yeah. <laughs> this song's so stupid. It is a stupid song. Uh, it's bimbo mode to the to the fullest. Here we are, exactly. We we've talked about bimbo mode for Lou quite a bit. I think this is John really embracing his inner bimbo, like, like for the first time. Even, two minutes and six seconds. Jesus Christ! So it's like da 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 da. It is basically the length of like a TV credit scene. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it is. It sounds like Full House or something. <laughs> And lest you, uh, lest you think we are giving this, you know, short shrift, uh, and that ski, there's certainly, of course, John, he just did Heartbreak no, Hotel. This is this murderous, you know, a crazy, uh, introspective, uh, totally new cover version of a song that was so well known. Uh, there must be something, uh, you know, beneath the surface with Ski Patrol. Um, uh, here there? comes the Ski Patrol. It comes but once a year on down the mountainside. They'll make sure we're all right. Make sure we're all right. Sure that we're all right. Sure that we're all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's uh, that's that's what you get on Ski Patrol. They are making sure that we are all They're right. Making sure that we're all right. You know what? There has to be a song about Ski Patrol because <laughs> if there weren't, you know, like how would, is that not just sort of ungrateful to the people who risk their lives trying to save you? Uh, when you're skiing when you're skiing exactly yeah i mean uh, there ought to be a song thank you for your service ski patrol yeah who's gonna sing their who's gonna say their name sing their praises yeah um this uh, there's nothing to say about ski patrol it's an amazing song i love it it's so catchy i uh, well, turn something it on very again and again say, we just said it it's well, that yeah. it's it, we salute the the ski patrol. The members of ski, the ski patrols all across the world. <laughs> this is in honor of all the fallen ski patrol members lost in the line of duty. The fallen um, ski patrol. Yeah, they're all on snowboards or like skis, and there's like, uh, you know, wait in line like at like a, a ski patrol funeral. Like right. they, they they shoot a machine gun into the air. Their their grave is mar- it's like one ski like down in the snow, and then there's another one kind of perpendicular across the ski like a cross. Yeah, and you can get like a vodka Red Bull after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love this song. It's amazing. Um, I'm not the loving kind. <laughs>
maybe my second favorite song. Exactly. Yeah, on this the was the one. Yeah, this is the this is the flip side to taking it all away. This song is like so this song is huge to me. Yeah, it's massive. It's, it's amazing. It's great. <sighs> it's great. He just like every now and then on this record, and this is the great example on the second side, and taking it all away is, is the great example on the first side. He just switches into this like honest like kind of piracy mode musically at least where he just you really get or like big white cloud mode where mm-hmm. he's really you know kind of going for this cinematic epic kind of sound uh and just the difference is instead of having a bunch of other songs like hanky panky know-how or um fucking adelaide in between you get dirty ass rock and roll and roll a roll it's um and I think that makes these songs like more kind of effective or impactful on this record because they stand out so clearly. There's such a marked contrast between these kind of sounds and what comes before and after them. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. God. Yeah, when you get to that chorus and he's doing the... And you got the backing vocals. Ugh. simple song but it's yeah. it's got it it's and got he's, it's got the goods he's being again he's being kind of distant lyrically here you know what is what does i'm not the loving kind mean is that a good thing is that a bad thing well, is that something he's changed into you know it's i not think exactly... it sounds like it's it's unclear to me whether or not i mean it says like it sounds like she's leaving him and then he is also kind of realizing like i i lost the love i had for you but so, but it's because I, I'm just not the kind of person who can, or like, or I'm not anymore. It's not. It's not clear. It feels, um, satisfyingly ambiguous. Yeah, there's a degree of like vagueness in in the lyric, uh, for a couple of these, for this song and for taking it all away. I think that I think reflects where he was probably at at the moment in time, where he was in the midst of his marriage falling apart. He had moved from California back to to England and he was kind of having a bad time, bad vibe situation there. And it's just like, he, you know, it's sort of lost and didn't know exactly how to feel about everything. And that kind of comes out in the lyric and it gives it a lot of, you know, it's, it's something that you can, you can work at over time. I think it's really satisfying that way. And again, like pairing these kind of songs with ski patrol and roller roll, yeah. it's like <laughs> that rocks that fucking is so cool. This song, it, I, I actually had the feeling for a long time of like, I didn't believe this song. Like I kind of for a minute when I first heard it was like, is it like, is it really that good? Like, could it be just like this good of a song? Like, it feels illegal that a song should just be like this, just like this emotional and just like easy to, uh, but easy to listen to and just like cathartic instantly. Like the instant catharsis of this song felt like cheating. But now I just realize it's uh, just John Cale. Good. It's just good. He doesn't need to cheat.
then we get the the next uh, the banger maybe the, the most yeah this, the most ambitious lyrically oh in some so, ways yeah and and yet at the same time so easy to listen to three and a half minutes in and out just anthemic fucking guitar rock <laughs> yeah this song Bugger in the short sleeves, fucked my wife, did it quick and split. <laughs> God, the, best, best first if, line. If Ski Patrol wasn't in there, it would be <laughs> Heartbreak Hotel, I'm Not the Loving Kind, and Guts, and then just blowing your own head off. Yeah, this. I mean, the second side of this record, as as like kind of corny and, and uh, happy-go-lucky and candy-coated as the first side is, all of which, I mean, in the best way possible, the second side, he's really kind of, you know, he's going off the map at this point. And by the time we hit Guts, second to last song, he's, uh, he's melting down. Back home, as a daisy to maze. Guts, guts, got no guts. Holes in the body, holes in the legs, holes in the head, holes in the head. Uh, holes there should in the body. never be holes at all. Never be holes at all. Don't know what that means, but it, you got no guts. I think it's. I think this is him calling himself out. You like you, John Cale. You don't have any mm. guts because all these. You're letting your wife, you know, fuck mm. all these people, and you're you're not doing anything about it. You're not you're not beating anyone's door down or giving them the what for. Stitches don't help at all. So is it a, never be Does the all. guy get uh, shot at the beginning? Or is I mean, it, who fuck? It sounds I, like. I think it's him. It kind of like coming. Uh, there's jizz uh, everywhere. Maybe all of the above. I think it's him calling himself out, and also his like, own kind of murder fantasy: kill yeah. all you want and more. Make sure mm-hmm. do it right. Dead is dead, and doornails forget, and then you'll notice how the and walk, doornails the forget. Gee. Yeah, it's pretty ugly. Um, that's, a, that's just like one of. That's great. Poetry, poetic writing, because it's the kind of thing that feels more angry, like more aggressive than than saying something that makes sense would. Oh, this song is so good. Also, we just we haven't talked about his vocal stylings, but like it's really just wildly expressive in this way. That's like uh, just seething with rage anger and like yeah at the beginning of this song he's like whispering basically into the yeah, mic yeah, and then by the end yeah he's like screaming he's and like screaming tearing his own the throat end. out yeah. oh my god but yeah yeah those those kale screams they're like nothing else because they no one can, tell, can like, scream on mic like john kale can no nobody it's he he is so like bravely uh just down to like venture into just pure bloody incoherence like he's just kind of like he's like gg allen but like he doesn't have to actually put shit on his yeah, physical body shit on his uh he just his uh <laughs> or, or bleed everywhere he's just like willing to debase his own voice for art you know just to debase himself like with these performances that 
you know, truly leave it all on the floor. That's right. You get everything that you get on gun, I think, on guts. Yeah. Um, and, By the end. But, yeah. yeah. But whereas gun is this like epic eight and a half minute long like odyssey that ends in this like squelching, you know, a wall of, you know, uh, jizz. This is just like much, much more it's, personal this time. I mean, it's more gun personal. Is not a personal song to in the same way that guts is that guts is it's more and personal that shows and it's shift. also more of a pop song just like uh the all the other songs in this record it's three and a half minutes long that guitar riff is just fucking huge like yeah. it, like that sounds just like a like one of the biggest riffs imaginable like i can't i can only imagine hearing that live and just like losing my shit um and and here it is you know it's about it's literally about it's on a song about getting cucked uh, yeah you'd think that the, that it would be it sounds at home on like a Springsteen type of yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like Springsteen type beat, but he's he's going further. Like I don't know, he does the thing that I want everyone in rock music to do, really, or to to be able to do sometimes, which is like going so far with the you know just kind of recognizing that rock music is very like elevated emotionally. You know, if you just if you think about silence versus rock music happening, I feel like you have to have some time away from it to really appreciate the magnitude and like the power of 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 what a rock band sounds like, what electric guitar can do. And he recognizes like the power inherent in it. And then he goes, I gotta step my fucking act up to match these guitars. And he does. And he does. In the end, in the end, in the end, in the end. Uh, and then, uh, and then we wrap it up with, uh, you know, what else, what else is going to end this record of like pop songs and just like ridiculous, ugly screaming murder ballads like guts. Uh, that's right. It's a spoken word piece that doesn't even have the rhythmic kind of boogie of the gift. It's like basically just him talking over like the faintest kind of synthesizer, uh, about a man with a pussy in his face. You know, if you if you do put this record on. Incredible. If you decide to put this record on, uh you, you know, might want to lift the needle after track nine. Or and you you might wanna just you know, we can't really tell any but just anybody like, hey, put this record on. What if you told uh somebody to put this on and they just are the type of person who has their songs on shuffle and then they just they just hear this, you know. This record <laughs> contains dangerous materials to people who are not ready to listen to um, a, a spoken word synth track about, um, like a like a magical realist um, uh, pussy with like an eye inside of it. That's oh the thing he's God. saying. That there's an eye, like an unblinking eye, inside of the um, inside of it. 
the way he describes it there at the end, a follicle, sticky occlusion, yeah, a follicle and perfectly formed vagina with vulva overgrown and mysterious, unrevealing and still to the untrained eye. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, calling it a sticky occlusion, the unclosing watchful eye of disgust in its closing moments, lunging forward and hungry for the cold, cold light of light days. Of, days. of day. course, of course, there's a song. Of course, there's a song like this uh, on a record that contains Ski Patrol and Roll the Roll. It's all, it's all makes perfect sense. Our world is full of um, uh, magic. And mystery. And, and, things and, that, and, and things that dazzle us. That's right. Things that we can't make sense of, and yet we see them there. Sure as we see with our own two eyes. Sure as the pussy in my face. Jokerman. Very slowly, he sipped his tea, not shifting his glance from the thick double-spaced printing he read with his jeweler's eye. Engrossed in his corner, he passed on to the other inhabitants of the room a scrawled insularity of time and space. For both passed him by with the speed of light, not unlike the flow of substance, however varied into that lysergic entity of astronomy known as the black hole. He was hardly ugly for his time, and conversation was certainly not lost on him. Drastic measures were called for, and as in antiquity the lonely man was blessed with wisdom to the point of desperation. There in his corner, developing around him like a sun, was a climate of such rare beauty that sight and sound could no longer be considered sufficient food for the senses. And he had begun to notice, as his hearing failed, that mind and matter were in no way connected to one another, as if, in fact, the one could not propose and prove its erotic existence in terms of the other. What does this word mean, he inquired of the solemn waiter, hopefully. Nothing for dessert, sir, came the reply. Perhaps a cocktail, demitasse, or a herbal essence. It helps the breathing, you know, sometimes. The bill, if you don't mind. Quickly, he shot back. And as the patter of the feet faded in the room, for he barely heard them now, his eyes slowly began to close. And by the time he emerged onto the sunny street, he was forced to rely entirely on the other eye for help. But happily, it continued its many functions, blinking gently for lubrication and registering images. It was Russia. In Hawaii, only 10 a.m. So, Turning into his street, he stopped at the drugstore and bought an eye patch that soon covered the reluctant eye. Climbing the stairs, he pondered what to do next. He would call a doctor, have tests made, eat nourishing food, and if necessary, consent to surgery, the last resort of the gambling man. And at 1 a.m., he awoke from a dream after fumbling his way in the obsolescent light of his room, 
He peered into the rusty veins of his mirror and lifted away the patch. What he saw astonished him. Where once was tremulous tissue and membrane was now a follicle and perfectly formed vagina with vulva, overgrown and mysterious, unrevealing and still to the untrained eye. But in the deep, dark recesses of that sticky occlusion lay the unclosing, watchful eye of disgust in its closing moments, lunging forward and hungry for the cold light of day.